This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. We're back. Got the uh, moving chores out of the way yesterday. It is a Friday morning wake-up call, the 23rd day of September 2021. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning as uh, we uh, get going and and tell you what happened last night around the baseball world. But, of course, uh, all the eyes of the world this morning on Tokyo, the opening ceremonies taking place uh, this morning, local time, it's evening over in Tokyo, but uh, NBC had it on live this morning uh, in place of the Today Show. Uh, the United States team just uh, getting out onto the floor now, being introduced. But uh, So the Olympics did go on. There was some there was some talk that you know maybe it would be canceled at the last minute, but uh, it's going on, and, and that's good. You know, and let's hope uh, you know, that, that uh, – we don't have a lot more positive cases that we've we've seen the worst of it. The news came down. The United States uh, Olympic team is they said eighty three percent vaccinated. Yeah, you know, it, which is by the way is higher than uh, nationally here in the United States. I think we're at fifty six percent. So I guess you know that's a good thing. There's been some controversy. A couple of uh, American swimmers, uh, one of them uh, a guy, one of the uh, gold medal favorites is not vaccinated, said he didn't want to put anything in his body, wasn't sure what it would do, and he's been criticized by that by a number of people. Other people have come to his defense. Look, you know, I you know, I still don't understand people that don't get the shot, don't understand why to get the shot, and, you know, we see people still dying from this, and there was a story on the evening news last night, just heartbreaking, you know, the, a person that uh, was dying and begged the doctors to give him a vaccine, and the doctors said it's, you know, that ship sailed. It's too late. You can't get, you've already got it. The vaccine's not going to do anything. And that's the part that, you know, people get sick and say, boy, I wish I had done it. Well, you know, don't wait, get it done. You know, we, we still, you know, we're still seeing a, a rise in cases across the country. So get it done if you haven't. Um, speaking of the COVID vaccine and memo came down yesterday from the NFL, Roger Goodell, basically telling teams that we are not going to necessarily be as forgiving uh, in terms of the COVID as we were last year. Of course, we saw some games rescheduled. Uh, They added an extra week uh, of games to make up for the time just in case they had to schedule games or, you know, or move them. So, but they have said they are not going to do that this year of course the season's been extended they now have 17 regular season games and then they have a bye week so that makes 18 they said they are not going to add a 19th week and basically what the memo said is if you are forced to cancel or not play a game because of an outbreak you will likely have to forfeit your game So for the purposes of playoffs, the forfeiting team 
gets a loss. The team that they were supposed to play gets a win. Uh, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Look, they've already said over half the teams in the NFL have reached that 85%. But then we have some that are lagging far behind. You know, and we still have, uh, there was a story, DeAndre Hopkins made a, a reference to he'd rather retire than get the vaccine. He quickly backed off on that. But, you know, that's the, we're still facing a lot of people that, you know, don't want to get it. They, 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 they buy into the misinformation and, and uh, you know, whatever. But the NFL said, well, that's all well and good. But if you don't, if you don't do it, you could forfeit a game. And I'm completely fine with that. Um, they also they said, look, yeah, I, and they're, as far as the protocols go, if, if somebody who's vaccinated tests positive and they're not symptomatic, they're just going to be isolated. They're going to do some contact tracing. But that person will be permitted to return to, to a duty after two negative tests at least 24 hours apart. But if it's an unvaccinated person who tests positive, uh, it's going to be just like last year. They go into isolation for 10 days, period, end of story. Um, and you know, look, uh, what else is the NFL supposed to do there? None of the leagues are mandating it. I mean, I, I suppose the NFL could, but they haven't. Um, and, and so, but the players association is in the vaccination corner. They have strongly encouraged their players to do so. So it gets to a point where, when you look at this, and, and I've talked about this even in the general public, it gets to a point when you refuse to get the vaccine that it borders on just plain selfishness. Unless you have, uh, you know, your immune system is compromised or there is some overriding reason why you shouldn't get the vaccine, you know, not doing it is, in my opinion, just my opinion, not necessarily the opinion of everybody in my household, but in my opinion, it's just uh, it borders on selfishness. And when these guys, when you're talking about a league in the NFL where there is billions of dollars at stake for teams uh, and, you know, and millions of dollars at stake for players, you're putting everybody's income at risk by not getting this done. If you want to play in the league uh, and your union, which protects your rights, is telling you to get the vaccine, you damn well should get it. But so that's that's the deal. You know, it, it's uh, I think it's as simple as that. I'm I'm glad to hear the NFL taking a stand on it. They have been much more forceful about that uh, than say Major League Baseball has. You know, we have still seen some cases in Major League Baseball where they are. Uh, giving teams a bit of a pass. You can do it a little bit more in baseball because there's off days built into the season. You can play doubleheaders. You can't do that in the NFL. So don't have a lot of choice. Uh, so glad to see the NFL taking that kind of stand. All right. Um, so baseball last night. And my wife got home from work last night, and the Red Sox game was still going on. There was a um, an hour rain delay in the middle of the game, so she got home. And uh, it's still going on, and she just laughs at me because it was not going well for the Boston Red Sox last night. It looked like they were about to go down to the New York Yankees, um, you know, and uh, 
you know how that goes over with me, and I was uh, distraught, angry, whatnot. And then about five minutes later, everything was looking much better. And my wife just looks at me and laughs. She says, "I, you know, the the mood swings." She said, "When you watch a baseball game, uh, or something else." Well, the Red Sox had a whole bunch of hits last night, but struggled. I mean, at one point they had seven hits. And they had scratched out one run. And I mean, they had to work their asses off to get that one run. They had given up just four hits to the New York Yankees, and they're losing the game three to one in the eighth inning. And I'm just, you know, practically apoplectic. And I'm thinking, well, it's going to be an angry show on Friday morning. And some people would say that's good because they find the entertain, they find the angry me more entertaining than the happy me. But uh, be that as it may, the Red Sox got a gift last night. There's no other way to put it. Now, they, now, I will say this. They worked hard against Chad Green. They go into the ninth inning. They're trailing by two runs. Uh, you know, Jordan Montgomery, the starting pitcher for the Yankees, was great last night. Five and two-thirds innings, just three hits. No runs, struck out six, walk one. He actually sat for almost an hour during that rain delay between throwing pitches and came back out after the rain delay and continued in the game. You almost never see that. Right, they paused it in the uh, the fifth inning, and he came back out to pitch the fifth, and then went into the sixth as well. Tanner Houck started for the Red Sox. Uh, he was great as well, four and two thirds innings, just two hits and one unearned run. He struck out eight guys in that four and two thirds. He did not come back out after the rain delay. Josh Taylor did, uh, almost got himself in some trouble, but managed to wheeze a lot of it. But we go in, so we you know the the starting pitchers had both been great. You know the uh, the bullpens. Did a pretty good job, Taylor and Darwins and Hernandez, to get the game to the seventh inning. Adam Adovino ends up giving up a couple of runs because he can't find any control uh, in the eighth. He walks a couple of guys, gives up a hit, and the Yankees score two runs. They take that 3-1 lead, and then Chad Green comes in. Aaron Boone had been st- has been staying away from Aroldis Chapman because he's been awful. He has coughed up lead after lead after lead. He got a save the other night, made a big deal out of it like – you know, staring down the other team, despite the fact he gave up a home run to the Phillies, he got a save because it was, you know, you enter with a three-run lead. And, you know, if you can't hold a three-run lead as a closer, um, you know, I don't even think that should count as a save. But it did. But anyway, he hasn't been great, so they stayed away from him. They bring in Chad Green. And uh, the Red Sox were happy. Why? Well, they had just faced Chad Green a few weeks ago. uh, And... uh, they had scored four runs off of him in the eighth inning. So here he comes out for the ninth, and uh, they end up tying the game off of Green. Merry Christmas. You know, it was a, you know, it was a beautiful thing. So Verdugo scores on a, uh, a shallow fly ball to give them the one run that they needed. You know, to tie it at the time, but then Adovino coughs it up, and uh, fortunately, uh, Chad Green gave him back. He gave up three hits and two runs in the ninth inning. So we go to the tenth. Now Matt Barnes comes on for the tenth, and this is one of the reasons why a lot of people hate this rule, where you start with a runner automatically on second base. A rule, by the way, that Major League Baseball says they're going to do away with next year. I hope that is the case. I've, I've. You know, as I've said, and I keep going back and forth, I've come around to the idea because I like the idea of a game not going 15 innings, 16 innings. 
But last night was a perfect example of why the idea of having that runner on second base just isn't fair. Matt Barnes comes on with a runner on second base. He gets a comebacker to the mound, right? But the runner on second breaks for third. So, you know, you get the the hitter to hit it right back to you. You throw over to first to get the out, but now the runner is on third base, right? That's not, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate. And then what happens? A routine fly ball to left by Brett Gardner scores Wade with the go-ahead run for the Yankees. So Matt Barnes, who doesn't give up a hit, strikes out a guy in the inning, still gets charged with a run because that runner starts on second base. And, you know, just like, oh, my God. So then we go to the bottom of the 10th inning, and Raphael Devers starts the 10th inning on second base. Um, this, this is just unbelievable. And again, you've got to roll this Chapman in your bullpen. You have other options in your bullpen that are not Brooks Krisky. You know, Brooks Krisky is not a guy that, uh, is a household name. Needless to say, just his uh, second year in the major leagues. He's appeared in a grand total of 11 games in major league baseball. Now to put this in perspective for you, Brooks Krisky last year pitched four times for the Yankees. He had an ERA of almost 15, right? He had made six previous appearances for the Yankees this year. And uh, <laughs> with the exception of a, uh, a perfect inning against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies on Wednesday, he'd been awful. I mean... He'd given up four runs in an inning to the Twins. The Red Sox had faced him back on June 27th and got three hits and a couple of runs off the guy. You know, he had given up eight hits and, you know, six runs in the month of June. But based off of a one-inning performance against a, a, a Phillies team that can't hit its way out of a wet paper bag half the time, they bring Chris Key in for the 10th. Devers on second base. Krisky then proceeds to bounce a ball in the dirt. Devers goes to third. He then proceeds to bounce another ball in the dirt, gets by the catcher, goes to the backstop, and Raphael Devers scores. Just like that, the game is tied, right? The game is tied. Xander Bogarts is up with a 3-1 count. Krisky walks him when he, when he bounces another one. And... It, it was unbelievable. It was just, he threw four wild pitches in the 10th inning. It tied a major league record for most wild pitches in one inning. It is unbelievable. You know, and you're watching, they keep showing Aaron Boone in the dugout. And it looks like he could spit nails. He just is beside himself. Right? So he walks uh, Xander Bogarts. So then he gets J.D. Martinez swinging. But the problem is, is that in the meantime, he's thrown a couple more wild pitches. Bogarts goes to second, 
And then Bogarts goes to third. So he's now at third base with nobody out. They strike out J.D. Martinez for the first out. And then Hunter Renfro hits a fly ball to fairly deep right field. Greg Allen catches it, but Bogarts scores, and the Red Sox win. You know, and again, it's a situation where if the runner doesn't start on second base and Krisky throws those wild pitches, they're just, you know, they're just balls, and he probably ends up walking Bogarts. But, you know, maybe this doesn't happen. Uh, you know, who knows? But at the end of the day, if you're Aaron Boone, and there's been a lot of people that have been very critical of Aaron Boone, you know, why, uh, you know, basically, like, that he shouldn't have a job. Well, I think that's a little excessive. Um, but this is obviously a Yankee team that has underperformed. It's a Yankee team that most people were ready to hand the, uh, you know, hand the division to. Right, it was going to be the Yankees, and then the Rays, and then probably the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox would be somewhere in fourth. And you know, they just—they're five games over five hundred. They are now eight games behind the Red Sox. Now there are three more games in this series. The Yankees, if they're going to be in this race at all, need to win these last three games. They're not going to do that. At least I wouldn't think so. The Red Sox are 8-2 and two against the New York Yankees this year. So they, they have nine more games to play against the Yankees, three of them this weekend. Now, tonight it's going to be Erod against Garrett Cole. Tonight is going to be an uphill climb. Garrett Cole, uh, after the change in the, the rules and now he can't use the sticky stuff, has figured it out. He's still been pretty good. So uh, he will get the start against Erod tonight. But if, if the Yankees, it, let's say the Red Sox, win two out of the last three in this series, right? The Yankees will be nine out, you know, and you're just, then you start to wonder because, because there's been talk about the Yankees are, you know, thinking about going out and making a trade for uh, Joey Gallo's a name that's been thrown out there. Trevor Story, believe it or not, is a name been thrown out there. I mean, the Yankees have money to spend. But if they get to a point where they're down double digits in this division at the end of July, I just don't see how they're going to justify spending that kind of money to go out and bring a guy in. And, uh, you know, look, here's the deal. And I'm not rooting for this, but if the Yankees don't make the playoffs this year and there is a legitimate chance that they will not make the playoffs, Aaron Boone's getting fired. I don't think there's any question about it. And when you, you know, and you can say some of it's not his fault. When you look at that lineup last night and outside of DJ LeMayhew, Glaber Torres, and John Carlos Stanton, the guys in this lineup look like something out of a spring training game or guys that weren't on anybody's radar. Tyler Wade, Esteban Floriel, you know, uh, uh, Greg Allen. Brantley, the cat. I mean, where are these guys? You know, who are these guys? Rudin at our door, who they traded for, you know, who's hitting 226 as your starting second baseman. Brett Gardner, who's 112 years old and hitting 100, you know, 191, is in left field. So you can say injuries have played a part in it, and it's not, you know, all Aaron Boone's fault. Matter of fact, none of it's Aaron Boone's fault. You know, at the end of the day, players play, but somebody's head's going to roll, and it will be Aaron Boone's if they don't make the playoffs. Now, if they do make the playoffs and, you know, win a series, then, you know, maybe he saves his job. But last night was one of those cases where you looked at the Yankees and Brooks Krisky and you're going, thank you very much. 
that was an absolute gift for the Red Sox last night. <laughs> and they'll take it. Uh, other news out of Boston yesterday. Uh, they placed Danny Santana on the 10-day injury list. They recall Franchi Cordero from AAA Worcester. Uh, Cordero, who is an outfielder by trade, has been playing some first base down there for the last couple of weeks and hasn't been horrible. Uh, but he was horrible when he started the season with the Red Sox. They sent him down to the minor leagues back on May the 26th uh, after he hit uh, 179. He had struck out 37 times in 102 plate appearances just in, in 24 games. He'd been terrible. So they send him down to Worcester, and he's tearing the crap out of the ball. You know, he's sitting 329 in AAA. You know, with uh, six homers, 29 runs batted. Now, he's still striking out a ton. He's still striking out about a third of the time that he gets up. That's something that's not going to change. You know, and so the question becomes whether Cordero is a AAA player or whether everybody keeps saying that this guy's got tremendous power and this guy's got potential and yada, yada, yada. Well, at some point, you know, you've got to prove it. You know, and he's missed a bunch of time with injuries over the last few years, but at some point, and this might be it, if he comes back up and he's terrible, you know, the Red Sox got him as part of, a, you know, of a trade. They're not married to him. You know, this, you know, and maybe they can ship him off for a player that somebody, you know, some other team sees some, the potential in him and they think they've got the magic formula to work. But Franchi Cordero is up uh, and uh, Danny Santana back on the injured list and uh, after straining his left groin, you know, he's down and Marwin Gonzalez is down. You know, all this flexibility that the Red Sox thought they were going to have with their lineup with these utility players has gone away because of the injuries. Um, other injury news, Connor Siebold, who's uh, missed a, uh, a lot of the season uh, with some elbow inflammation, has made a couple of rehab starts down in Florida. Uh, and in five and two-thirds innings, well, he struck out 12 guys. He's looked really good. He's a guy they got from the Phillies last year along with Nick Pavetta when they traded him. Uh, uh, Brandon Workman and uh, Heath Embry, one of the great steals in the history of uh, – of trades because Pavetta has been a uh, fixture in the Red Sox lineup and Brandon Workman's back with the Red Sox because he stunk so badly for a couple of other teams. He's back with the Red Sox. He hasn't been great for Boston either, but they basically got a couple of good pitching prospects uh, for nothing. But Seabol is going to start for Worcester today. Uh, and this is a guy that the Red Sox think could be another option for them in this rotation later in the season, you know, and maybe they get to a point where Tanner Houck's a regular part of that rotation and Garrett Richards and Martin Perez no longer are, and they become the insurance because they've got younger kids that are better. So uh, everybody will be watching that, obviously, tonight. Uh, one of the last bit for the Red Sox, they signed their number one draft pick yesterday, Marcelo Meyer, uh, kid out of the San Diego area. Uh, he got a $6.6 million signing bonus. How about, how about that? How about a month ago, month and a half ago, you're playing high school baseball at East Lake High School in California, and now you are $6.6 million richer, and you're headed to Florida to work uh, uh, at the Florida Complex League and maybe even get to low A Salem before the year is over. The Red Sox are going to throw him right to the Wolves and see what the young kid's got. He's big kid, 6'3", but he only weighs about 185 pounds, and uh, they said that, that in his entire career in high school, he never he's never done any weightlifting or anything like that. 
uh, or any kind of weight training. So they're going to try that, see how he responds, and uh, put him in there and see what happens. They, they showed him yesterday taking some swings at Fenway Park, and he was ripping it pretty good. So, uh, so they have their number one draft pick uh, inked, and they also signed their number three pick yesterday, Tyler McDonough, kid out of uh, North Carolina State University. So uh, Red Sox had a good draft. And uh, they've got some of these kids in the fold, so we'll see what happens. It's 30 minutes past the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk trades. The first salvo has been fired with the trade deadline coming up at the end of the month. And the Tampa Bay Rays made the first really big acquisition at the trade deadline. And uh, they're making a statement. They intend to chase the Red Sox now. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Friday morning. So the Tampa Bay Rays have been a a major pest, I guess you could say. Uh, they picked up their 30th come-from-behind victory of the season last night, and their second in a row. Every time the Red Sox win and the Rays are losing, you know, this. And it looked like, you know, you've got this thing in the bag and the Red Sox are going to be able to increase their lead. It seems like the Rays just continue to find a way to come back. They did it again last night uh, against Cleveland. Uh, We'll get to that in just a second. But just before first pitch of the game yesterday, the Rays announced that they had acquired Nelson Cruz from the Minnesota Twins for a couple of minor leaguers. Joe Ryan and Drew Strotman, who, by the way, are both pitching for USA Baseball at the Olympics. Uh, they were both members of the AAA rotation for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I believe it was uh, Ryan is their number seven prospect in the Rays system, and uh, Strotman is number 10. And so they are both headed to Minnesota in exchange for the 41-year-old Nelson Cruz. Now, Nelson Cruz is having yet another unbelievable season. I mean, the fact that he's 41 aside, uh, he's already got 19 homers and he's driven in 50 this season. He's hitting 294. Folks, he's, he's 41 years old. This guy has 436 career home runs, over 1,200 runs batted in, hits from the right side, which is something that the Rays desperately need because they are hitting just 226 against left-handed batters. So they plug Nelson Cruz into that designated hitter slot on an everyday basis, and this Rays lineup is suddenly much more dangerous. Uh, look, you know, he played uh, three seasons in Minnesota, or partial two and a half seasons in Minnesota, signed a, a one-year deal with them in the offseason. Uh, he ended up hitting 76 home runs with a 984 OPS in his time in Minnesota. You know, but it's just uh, there's been talk that he was going to go, and that's happened. Now, the Minnesota Twins, there's also been talk that uh, there's other guys that might be on their way out. Uh, Josh Donaldson is a name that's been thrown around quite a bit, but this is a great acquisition for the Tampa Bay Rays. It makes them uh, as if they really already weren't legitimate contenders in the the American League East. Uh, If you're a Red Sox fan, or a Yankee fan, or a Blue Jay fan, you know you know that the bar just got raised a little bit higher, and now 
it's Tampa Bay has made the first move. Now the question is, what do the other teams in the American League East do to try to match that? I mean, right? You could look. You could still. You could say, and I don't know that it's accurate, but you could say right now that this is a two-horse race between the Red Sox and the Rays. The Yankees are eight out. Toronto's eight and a half out. But again, with those lineups that the Yankees and the and the Jays have, it's kind of hard to count them out. And you look at this Tampa Bay lineup, and I still, I still don't understand how they win day after day. This team is 19 games over 500, and it's, I swear to God, they do it with smoke and mirrors. It's, it's unreal. You know, last night was another perfect example. You know, they're losing this game in the ninth inning, 4-2. to two. James Karinchak, who is the closer for the Indians, a, a guy who is a solid pitcher, and he coughs it up last night. You know, Karen Chak came into that game last night with a uh, an ERA of about two and a half. And yet, they come up in the ninth, and what happens? Yandy Diaz with a leadoff home run in the ninth inning, and then a two-out RBI double by Brandon Lau. Tampa ties it up. They go into extra innings, and uh, game over. Austin Meadows, an RBI single in the tenth inning. Uh, off of Shaw, and Tampa comes back to win it yet again. Uh, unreal. It wasted a great start last night by Cal Quantrill for Cleveland. Quantrill, who is a son of Paul Quantrill, who used to pitch for the uh, Boston Red Sox, amongst other teams. But Quantrill, who is a guy that they had kind of put into the bullpen, but with all the injuries, they had to put him back into the rotation. Six innings, four hits, one run last night. And uh, But the Cleveland bullpen... Uh, they got a runoff of Maton. Of course, Karen Shack coughs it up in the ninth, and then Shaw gives it up in the tenth. Uh, Diego Castillo picks up his 14th save of the season. Pete Fairbanks gets the win as he pitched uh, a scoreless ninth to get it into extras, and Tampa just keeps rolling. It's just, again, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how they do it. Uh, Fran Reyes had a home run in the game. For uh, Cleveland, he has been on fire. It was his 17th uh, home run of the season. But uh, since being activated from the injured list, that's the sixth home run he's hit in the last 13 games. And he crushed this thing. Um, He had a walk-off homer uh, just a couple of weeks ago against Kansas City. And uh, he has really picked it up. He's got uh, 45 runs batted in now to go along with his 17 home runs. He still strikes out an awful lot. But, uh, matter of fact, he struck out twice more last night. But uh, he is dangerous. Uh, so Tampa wins again. Cleveland falls to 48-46. and 46. Uh, If you had any doubts that there was going to be any kind of a race in the uh, – or you thought there was going to be a race in the AL Central, forget it. Cleveland now nine back. Uh, and now Cleveland is actually in danger of not being able to stay ahead of the Detroit Tigers. Now, Cleveland is hoping to get uh, Aaron Savali back soon. Uh, he's going to be throwing in the bullpen over the weekend, but uh, he sprained a finger on his pitching hand, and he's having trouble getting the mobility back. Uh, but they hope to have uh, the East Windsor, Connecticut native back in the uh, rotation here in the next week or so. Zach Plesak is going to get the start tonight uh, for the Indians. He is 5-3 and three this year. He's going to face, it's probably going to be a bullpen game for Tampa. But then again, for Tampa, it seems like just about every game. 
uh, is a bullpen game. But I mentioned Cleveland's trying to stay ahead of the Tigers, and right now the Detroit Tigers, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, but the Detroit Tigers are the hottest team in Major League Baseball right now. Now, I guess we we have to uh, we have to temper it with who they've played, but they just completed a sweep of the Texas Rangers, and the Detroit Tigers have now won seven in a row. They have won seven in a row since the All Star game, and they went into the All Star break losers of three straight. And whatever f- switch that they flipped, and it may have just it may just be a schedule thing, but uh, they are now forty seven and fifty one. And again, perhaps the well outside of what the San Francisco Giants are doing, you might say that what the Detroit Tigers are doing is one of the biggest surprises in baseball right now. No question about it. Uh, Eric Haas with a three-run bomb last night. Uh, Zach Short, who played at Sacred Heart University here in Connecticut, had a home run as well. Victor Reyes also with a home run for the Tigers last night uh, as they keep it rolling, and uh, they beat the uh, woeful Texas Rangers. Texas has now lost nine in a row. Now, look, the Tigers have a chance to keep this thing going. They play the Kansas City Royals in a series uh, starting tonight. Kansas City, 16 games under five hundred. Uh, now they've won a couple in a row, but they have been uh, uh, terrible. Willie Peralta three and one with a one seven six ERA will get the start for the Tigers tonight. Uh, the Rangers hoping to get this that streak broken. Yeah, good luck because they now have to play the Houston Astros uh, in a series starting tonight. Uh, so it's not going to get any easier for Texas. Texas now is uh, what. 33 wins on the season, 33, no, excuse me, 35 and 62, 23 games back of the Houston Astros. Uh, I guess the only good news, if you're, if you're uh, Texas, is that Houston hasn't been playing that well of late, but they still have a lot more talent than Texas, period. Uh, and you wonder now with that move being made with Minnesota, there has been talk that Texas is willing to move Joey Gallo and it would not shock me if uh, Joey Gallo is gone from the Rangers by the end of the weekend. The trade deadline is eight days away. And if the Yankees are indeed serious about wanting to acquire Joey Gallo, and I don't know why they wouldn't. Now, again, I'm not rooting for this, but with that short porch and right field and how right-handed this Yankee lineup is, Joey Gallo would be an absolutely perfect fit for the Yankees. You know, so if uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all now that that Cruz move is made, if we see the Yankees make some kind of a move uh, this weekend. Uh, other action in the uh, American League Central yesterday: uh, Minnesota loses again. Uh, I feel so bad for Rocco Baldelli, class guy. I like the guy. They had a great year last year, but they continue to fall on hard times. They lose yesterday uh, to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, three to two. Uh, Kenta Maeda pitched pretty well for Minnesota last night. Uh, went seven innings, but uh, a home run by Jack Mayfield, of all people. Jack Mayfield, who is a career 170 hitter, only playing because Anthony Rendon's a little banged up, so he filled in at third base last night. And a 170 career hitter takes Kenta Maeda out, a three-run bomb, and that was the difference in the game. Andrew Heaney was really good for the Angels last night. Seven innings, just four hits and two runs. It was his longest outing of the season. Uh, Picked up his third 
uh, or excuse me, his sixth win of the season. Rysel Iglesias pitches the ninth. He picks up his 20th save of the season. The Angels, again, trying to stay relevant. They are 10 out in the AOS, but they're seven and a half back in the wild card. It's not out of the question. Don't forget, Mike Trout's coming back. You know, and, and everybody is pointing to that. And they just got Justin Upton back yesterday from the disabled list. Uh, Mike Trout comes back. This is still a dangerous team. Shohei Otani, by the way, 0 for 4 last night. He struck out three times. Uh, the Twins will send Jay Happ to the mound tonight. He of the uh, 6.15 ERA. Alex Cobb will get the start for the Angels. And the Angels announced that uh, Shohei Otani is not going to pitch in this series They've decided to give him an extra day of rest as they will uh, uh, try to take as much care of him as they can uh, going forward. But you wonder, you know, if they get themselves back in that race, are they still going to uh, control his innings as much as they appear to be doing now? I mean, they may not be able to afford to do that if they manage to climb back into the wild card race. So we'll see. When we come back, we've got uh, more baseball to talk about. Another great game between the Dodgers and the Giants last night. And uh, these Giants, they just uh, continue to amaze. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. Uh, this just came down. Uh, according to uh, uh, the American Statesman newspaper, uh, there have been rumors that the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas are considering jumping ship and moving from the Big 12 to the SEC. And talk about a seismic shift in the sports landscape. Now, make no mistake, this is all about college football and the uh, tons of money that is available Um and the fact that the Big 12, by and large, um, top to bottom, is not that strong a conference. It's nowhere near as strong as the SEC. Well, there has been rumors that Texas and Oklahoma both want to go to the SEC, and according to the American statesman, it is just about a done deal. Uh, the move could become official by the end of the weekend or the first part of next week. Yeah. You know, we just went through this, what, several years ago when there was a bunch of moving and, 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 it, and it prompted moves from other conferences as well. And you wonder if all of a sudden we're not going to have another shuffling where teams are going to be leaving different conferences. And, you know, this basically uh, decimates the Big 12. It won't be taken seriously um, as a football conference again. Now, it'll be this won't be just for football. This is for all sports. But still, this is huge. Absolutely huge. And I, I'll say this, you know, I, t, you know, like schools are free to do what they want to do. Uh, this is going to be expensive for these teams because their their media rights are um, tied in with the Big 12 through 2025. It's going to be very expensive for them to buy out. They're going to have to pay a lot of money to the Big 12 for this to happen. But, you know. It's like, I don't know, It's and maybe it's a, just a sign of the time. It's like these teams, these schools are never satisfied. You know, they want to be in there with Alabama, and they want to be in there with Clemson, and, you know, I get it. You know, I never understood why Boston College wanted to go to the ACC. 
You know, I mean, I, I st- and I still don't belong to think they belong in the ACC. I still don't belong, understand why some of these teams have moved around. You know, Rutgers in the in the Big Ten. I mean, come on, I, I, it doesn't make any sense. And I think that, you know, the SEC, you're going to have schools from the Southwest in the SEC. That makes a lot of sense. But anyway, so it does sound like this is just about a done deal. I, I'm shocked. Um, I There was some rumors yesterday that there had been a big conference call and they were trying the, – the Big 12 was basically had Texas and Oklahoma on a phone call and trying to figure out what they could do to keep them. And it sounds like the answer is – Nothing. So uh, we'll stay tuned. That may be uh, uh, that may be the big news coming up next week. By the way, uh, next Friday we've already got uh, Dan Zampano lined up. He is going to come on next Friday. He's going to be in Lake Tahoe. Poor Dan. You know Dan's got a tough life. He travels all over the country, but he's going to be in Lake Tahoe next Friday. But he has agreed to join us uh, to talk NFL football. Uh, the rookies are all in camp now. The uh, main camps open up for the veterans. Starting next week, most of the camps will be open on Monday and Tuesday. So Dan's going to come on on Friday uh, to talk some NFL football and kind of get uh, get us geared up for that. Also, hopefully coming up on Monday, um, uh, I, I've teased this and I just I haven't had the time to reach out, but I'm going to uh, reach out to Jim Forbes, uh, James Forbes, who played on the uh, Olympic team in 1972, the Olympic basketball team that got screwed uh, when they were playing the Russians. And uh, he is uh, currently a basketball coach at a high school in uh, El Paso. And uh, he is uh, one of the members of that team. They have refused to accept the silver medals that they won, but they didn't win them. They got screwed out of the goal. I mean, it was – you're probably – a lot of you may be too young to remember, but it was a case of uh, uh, the referees giving uh, the the Russians – timeouts that they weren't that they shouldn't have been granted and it when it didn't work the first time they let him do it again until they finally won the game it was absolutely disgraceful I'll never forget it disgraceful so anyway we're going to reach out to James Forbes this weekend and hopefully uh, we'll be able to get him on uh, to talk about that the Olympic basketball tournament uh, gets going next week so it'll be a perfect time to have him on so uh, hopefully we'll have uh, James Forbes on Monday Dan Zampano on Friday and uh, you know we'll see who else we can we can line up for the week and uh, uh keep uh keep you all interested uh the san francisco giants last night have the best record in baseball look like they were in trouble they were down 3-1 going into the ninth inning uh they end up scoring four times in the ninth kenley jansen pukes up another for the second straight day um he gives up a bunch of runs to the giants and the giants come back to win this thing five to three uh, again, they, there is, I mean, look, just give Gabe Kapler manager of the year. Now, uh, 26 games over 500. They have built a three game lead over the Dodgers five and a half over the Padres. It's just, this was a four game series. Dodgers won the first one and everybody was like, okay, here we go. Right. Dodgers back within a game. They had leads in each of the last two nights. Everybody expected by the end of the weekend, the Dodgers would be in first place. Uh, not so fast. Kenley Jansen in his uh, last two games has given up seven runs on seven hits, and he's walked four guys in a grand total of one inning in the last two games. And this is the same Kenley Jansen, by the way, who said that he was insulted that he got left off the All-Star team, made a big deal out of it, you know, that he got dissed. Oh, he's done a great job of backing that up. Uh, Walker Bueller got the start for the Dodgers last night. Pitched well. Uh, went into the eighth inning, seven and a third, five hits and one run. He struck out nine. 
Uh, Blake Trinan finished off the eighth inning, but then uh, Kenley Jansen happened, and it didn't go well. Uh, Discolfani got the start, gave up three runs to the Dodgers, but then the bullpen, Littell, Alvarez, and McD- McGee do a great job. Uh, Jake McGee picks up his 20th save of the season. Uh, so the Giants uh, take care of the Dodgers, and now they get to play the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, it's a nine-game homestand now for the Giants, starting with the Pittsburgh Pirates. You would think that uh, they're going to be in pretty good shape. Johnny Cueto is going to get the start tonight against Chad Cool. The Dodgers will get to play the Colorado Rockies. David Price, who is 4-0 with a 3-1-2 ERA, will get the start for the Dodgers tonight. Uh, the Padres managed to stay within five and a half games as they beat the Marlins yesterday, three to two. Blake Snell with one of his best starts of the season. This is a guy who has trouble pitching past four innings. Well, last night uh, he goes uh, six innings, gives up just three hits and a run, he struck out eight, picked up his fourth win of the season. Uh, Mark Melanson, his 29th save of the year, that is leads all of baseball, um, and they did it without Fernando Tatis Jr. He struck out three times last night uh just uh, a a brutal night for him now although he struck he was 0 for 4 and he struck out three times but he did eventually score uh, uh what would be the uh winning run when he walked in the fifth he stole second base and uh, eventually scored on a sack fly by Manny Machado but uh, uh the San Diego Padres with the win yesterday so they remain five and a half back that is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I hope you all have a great weekend. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from Emmylou Harris, John Denver. It's called Wild Montana Skies. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.